Welcome to the Theory of DFS podcast. I'm Jordan Cooper, the co-author of the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. It's a 15-hour audio DFS masterclass you can pick up at theoryofdfs.com. Join with me, as as always now, as always, you're not like Eric. You don't you skip weeks, and I can't wake up, and I got stuff to do. It's Neil Orfield, and I'm surprised that you, I'm surprised that you don't bail on me. It it, it, it it's it, I'm used to Eric. It makes me feel I'm, better when he when he was Eric's a busy on. guy. He's he he's was, doing the the spike week thing now. All of his best ball stuff. He's he's a much busier guy than I am after I quit my job in September. Yeah, but but he comes on. He's uh, he plays this one game changer lineup and goes oof, I lost. And you, I just uh, every time you come on, it's like up a hundred thousand dollars in showdown. Just just fuck it. And I look that that must that must have been a a, a, a smaller field contest. I mean, yeah. I saw the ownership. It's like your lowest on guys, thirty three percent owned. How, don't tell <laughs> me that, that you won a hundred thousand in a unique lineup with that, right? Yeah, I mean it, it was. I, I left I think twenty three hundred salary on the table. Mm. So I, I mean that way I got it. But yeah, it was, it was a fifteen hundred field, uh, two hundred twenty two dollar entry contest. So not my usual bread and butter. I'm, I'm not usually successful in the higher stakes games, but this one worked out. And and but you still make one fifteen. Just put like the top one or whatever. Yeah, you don't you don't no. do it by contest size, right? So yeah, I'm actually I'm I'm pretty bad at uh, these higher dollar stuff in general because I don't. So I actually I make more than 150. Um, so for example, yesterday I had 11 entries in the 222 and then 150 in the 11 dollar or whatever the main thing was. Um, and I do I do 161 unique lineups across those. Um, I, I don't do 150 and then just put my top ones in the 222. Um, but I think that I, in general, I don't have a ton of success because I don't think that I actually spend enough time differentiating. So I just I make my pool and I make my lineups generally for the largest field contests, and then I just put the top projected 11 into that one typically. Um, and I look at some of them. I looked at. I actually, I think that I played it terribly yesterday. I think that my lineup that won was a good lineup. I look at it. And I'm like, this lineup makes sense. And then I look at the rest of my lineups in that contest, and I like. I had one with Dax Milne in it. <laughs> Somehow that was one of my top projected lineups. I mean, it, it is my projection, so it's using the adjustments that I made to get some. I wanted to have a few Dax Milne lineups, and I only had of like maybe two or three, I think, in my 150 set. Uh, but somehow one of those was actually my top projected and made it into that $222 entry, 1,500-person field, where it's totally unnecessary to play Dax Milne, who will maybe get a couple targets if he's lucky. Um, so, yeah, still, uh, I think I got kind of lucky. But, I, I mean, the lineup that actually won, I feel good about that lineup. It looks looks like a lineup that I would want to play in that contest. But I still, I think, uh, I have not made the adjustments that I need to make to be good at those smaller field, higher dollar, you know, where, where the field is sharper and you don't need to be leaving salary on the table and showdown as much. And you don't need to be getting quite as unique. I think that uh, in general, I'm, I'm not playing it that well when I look at my lineups, but that one, that one got through. So but yeah, when you, when good. you look at the results though, I know in Roto Tracker you could, you could try to segment by that. I mean, it, is, yeah. that, is that, is that noticeable in your, in your ROI? Very noticeable. I'm, I'm uh, massively profitable in uh, low dollar. Anything under like $50, I'm massively profitable. And anything that's over $50 entry, I'm massively negative. Obviously, this helps, cuts into it, but I'm still a losing player in contests where the entry fee is $50 or more. Um, and I, I know why that is because I haven't really 
that that's not my bread and butter. It's not something that I've tried to like, I don't study how pros play those. And I don't, uh, like I said, like yesterday, all of my lineups, I left a lot of salary on the table, even in the $222. Some weeks I actually am better about that, where I actually uh, do a separate set of lineups for that. But I think that I'm not really making the adjustments that I need to be to be good in those tournaments. And um, now that I'm I'm starting to play them more because now I you know I'm starting to try to do this professionally. I'm trying to step up um, a little bit, but I haven't really made the adjustments that I need to do yet to become you know profitable in those kind of games. Well, the magic question is there is there is there a need to set step up? Because I mean yeah I, know. I mean yeah. the, the the thing that that I mean I'm this is I mean where it's December twenty seventh. Uh, since I'm not playing NBA DFS, uh, like essentially this closes the book on my 2021 20, play. And I've always said that just like in poker, like, like a year is just a fake construct of like, well, how was my year? It's like, well, if I organized my year differently from like fiscal year, October and, and got like two big binks in one thing, it'd been like, oh, I made this much money. And then the next year made nothing. I mean, like you could, you could segment it in so many different ways. So I don't like getting stuck on how much did I make from January one to December 31. But, right. uh, you say that like, Oh, you want to step up. You, you quit your job in, in September and you want to step up, but aren't you wildly successful at where you are? That, that yeah. is, is there, it is the, is the step up. Cause I I'm, I'm struggling with that this year. Cause I, I I'm looking yeah. at my roto tracker from, from this year. Uh, and this calendar year, let me, I'll bring it up. Uh, let's see. 81,000. And so you'll like, take that in a calendar year. Right. I'll take that. Exactly. I'll take that in a yeah. calendar year. Now that's buoyed by one big bank. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, essentially. And it's, it's odd that in the beginning of the year, talking with Eric, that like the thing that I don't like about DFS is that when you play large field GPPs is, which is what my game is more geared towards. My strengths are more geared towards is that you're so reliant on that, like one big bink. Like, obviously the more that you max enter, you need multiple ones. Yeah, exactly. But like for me at my volume, since I, 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 I don't play 150 max most of the time that, you know, if if I get if if I could get one fifty k bank, it's like, like that that secures my profit. If I could get two of those, if I could get a hundred k plus, like that makes my goal. And my goal is always fifty to seventy five k a year on average. So like, yep. I succeeded, but like my goal in the beginning of this uh, of the year was like maybe I should be playing more of the higher stakes, small field. Stuff the hundred to the three figures, the hundred dollar, two hundred dollar, you know, less than a thousand entry type of thing. Maybe not the smallest feels like Eric does with the fifteen hundred and and above, but yep. it feels like I failed on that goal from maybe a contest selection standpoint. But it always comes back to it. It, it, it it's the the natural. We're what sixty four episodes in, and I've been saying this entire time. It's hard for me to quit the lower stakes, smaller, larger field GPPs because I feel as if the rake is paid. 
Yeah. It's no, just I, that I realizing realizing that EV is the tough part. Is is the struggle of like, okay, I got my got my one big bink. I got a couple of ten to fifteen thousand uh, you know, wins. I got a couple of uh, four or five thousand dollar wins, and plus all the money that you know you have to lose money to make money, right? You're not gonna win. You're gonna lose ninety yeah. percent of the time. Uh, that like my goal in the beginning of the year was maybe maybe I should be stepping up. Maybe I should be quote stepping up. Yeah. But to get to this point, it's all been on the backs of playing fifty entries into a large field GPP, and yeah. why? Well. Why shouldn't so, I so just be is, do, why shouldn't I just be doing that? And I'm I'm gonna ask the question of you. It's like yeah. why do you feel the need to have to go up there when like if you're wildly profitable, obviously so, a lot of it is the millimeter, but I mean like what what why? I think the answer is really uh that I'm competitive, that I just I see other people how much they're making. Uh you know, I listened to Alex doing a podcast. Did you watch Alex's podcast? The Alex Big T and Whistles did a podcast with Stu Gotts. Who I wasn't familiar with, and he's talking about, you know, they asked him how much uh, how much he makes playing DFS, and he was uh, a little bit reserved about it, but he he implied I think that he makes over a million a year, and so that's that's the level that I'm like, man, I would like to get to that level, and obviously I did last year on the back of one millimaker win. Uh, I'm not gonna I'm not getting there this year, but uh, I think that that is I see how good how well other people are doing. And there's just a part of me that's like, I want to get like at least close to that level. I, I don't really have any aspiration to be the top player in the world because I don't think that I have. I think to do that, I would have to be probably making my own models and doing a lot more work than I am currently. And I'm pretty happy to make as much as I do uh, with the amount of work that I do. But I think that I, I'm still sort of competitive enough that I want to be, you know, continuing to climb a little bit in the ranks and and try to become, you know, one of the, the top players in the world, I think is is part of it. Um, and do, do you even know that the, the people that you aspire to are even making money? I mean, like, there's a difference I mean, between Alex, Alex but, but I mean, yeah. but there's a, uh, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. That. No, I think that there are, like, if you look at the, the rotor grinders ranking, I, w- I was actually kind of shocked when, when you, uh, I can't remember who, which show it was on that you talked about how among the top 50 players in the world on, on the rotor grinders ranking, 10 of them are losing players or something like that you, you right. mentioned. And that was, uh, I'm not going to guess as to, to who is there. There are some that I'm like, yeah, I'm, I would guess that that player is a losing player. But um, for the most part, I, I was I was surprised to hear that there are ten in that group that there may be more. There may I mean, in, in, yeah. in a given in a given year, you could have a bad year. You could, I mean, the the roto grinder rankings are all volume based. So like, oh, yeah. like right, like, like you, have, you could win. You could have. win a hundred thousand dollars once, get all those points, and then lose. 51 other weeks of the year and be down $300,000. Yeah. I don't, I don't put a lot of stock into them because I think one of my like top three currently on there is like a $30,000 showdown win that I tied with other people is currently listed as one of my highest point totals. And I'm now up to five, six figure totals that are not counted in the Roto Grinders rankings for various <laughs> reasons. So uh, yeah, I don't, I don't put a lot of, I don't put a lot of stock into the Roto Grinders rankings, but, um, but I do, you know, still I'm, I'm, sort of competitive and I try to, I, you know, I just want to be among the best. I'm, I'm trying to be as good as I can. And there's a part of me that just thinks I, I, I want to beat the game. You know, I want to, I want to be able to be profitable in those higher stakes games, just as, you know, to, to know that I'm capable of. And, and, and I know in the back of my mind that I am capable of taking that step up, but you know, it's, it's still like, you want to, you want to be able to actually see yourself do that. Um, but, but you have to increase your risk in order to do so though. Yeah. Yeah. I know. And that's, I mean, so, uh, 
yeah, being um, just uh, fully transparent. So you've seen me, I've won $300,000 wins. I've had $300,000 wins since I won 300,000 once in October, I believe. And I am down over that period, $20,000. So I, I still kind of consider myself to be currently on a downswing because I have not yet reached uh, that all-time high that I had in October. So so October, after my $300,000 win, was my all-time high of uh, profit in DFS. I had reached you know the most profit I've ever, I've ever had. And now since then, even though I've had $300,000 wins, I have actually lost money. I've lost $20,000 total in the two months since then because... After that $300,000 win, I tried too hard to step up too quickly, and I was playing really high volume and wasn't playing it right and lost a lot of money really quickly. So yeah, I do I do that self-assessment all the time of maybe I should just be doing the 150 max because that's always like, that's been by far what I'm the best at. I think that's how my brain works. I'm good at, you know, my, my strength is in getting different than the field in ways that make sense. And that's not as big of a strength in a 1500 person contest or a 1000 person contest um but, I but it's think also it's I, also the makeup of the contest it's like it's much yeah. easier to exploit the lower stakes large field stuff because right. the mistakes by a, a large portion of the field or a, enough of a portion of the field because you have to figure that even in a, in a 50,000 entry contest if 10 percent of the entries are like dead to start like you don't get that in the high state. Like ev- yeah. like nearly everyone oh, that's playing is playing a competitive enough lineup that that the the out of the fifty bottom lineups of your one fifty are still like positive EV against the average right. of the field in the low stakes. But in the high yeah. stakes, that no, Dax not, Milne yeah. lineup is like yeah, that was like terrible. You just, you're just like, giving away. No reason actually, I'm the mark essentially in those in those lineups. So in, in those contests. So yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's maybe it, it is something that I think about all the time. Like, if I just play the 150 max, like the the typical biggest contests, I know that I can be successful in those, and I can probably make enough money that I'll be happy with. Uh, so yeah, it, I think that the question is a valid one. Is there any reason that I need to step up? And there really isn't. And I do. I, I usually so the way that I play is I after a big win, I play more in those big contests, and then it goes down, down, down. But isn't that the bad, isn't that the, that's what most people do, but isn't that, yeah. isn't, isn't that the complete opposite of what you should be doing? Yeah, probably. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, I'm saying like, I, like I'm not against taking shots. Okay. Yeah. I don't want to come off as like the total nit, like, but take shots smartly. Like it's like, oh, well I, I won $300,000. So like, I'm going to max the wildcat next week. It's like, why don't you max the wildcat on a slate that you think you have a bigger edge? Like right. what, or, or instead I'm going to play 20 entries and not 50 and like, and space that out over time. Like I understand upping your play. I understand, you know, that your bankroll increases, your percentage should go up, your edge go, you know, as, as you move up, I understand that completely. But, uh, I mean, it must, it must be, it must be eye opening to, to, to people. I know, I know we talk, I know I've said it, tons of times i know eric said it tons of times but a real life example of in october you won three hundred thousand dollars and then since then if you if you if you cut off your dfs play at that point and just go from that point to current you would you would have gone on twitter seen you post your 100k 300k screenshots 
and then go, well, Neil's having a great, great three month period. And you're like, no, I'm actually down 20,000. Yeah, exactly. Like most people that are listening to this, like, like if you win a hundred thousand once, it's like, how, yeah, how are you not profitable for the whole year? It's like, right. Like that's like for, you, but, but, the, you, but the difference between me and you is that if, if I just got one of those, it's almost, it's very hard for me not to have a profitable year. Yeah. But of course, I'm, of course, my, my risk tolerance is, is, is much lower than the, I mean, like I, I also don't have as much of a shot at winning a million dollars because I'm not playing 150 entries, $3,000 into the Millie maker every week. So it's like, right. th- there's a give and take there. And it seems like, uh, I don't know. It, it, from, from your personality, it seems like, it seems like this is a weird compliment in the game. This would be an insult in the gambling space. You seem so much more grounded in reality yeah. that, that after, oh. after you quit, like to me, I, I would feel like you're the type of person that after you finally took the plunge and quit your job in September, that you'd end up trying to be more conservative being that yeah. there's this not, there's this, there isn't this underlying income stream coming in to, right. to like, well, you know, what happens if I go broke type of thing? And it seems, and it so, seems like you're like, no, you, your mindset was I'm, 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 I'm doing this full time. So like I'm going up from here and yep. you knew at the time that you quit your job that you're, you are taking on risk. Your family understands that and yep. you're going to do it smartly. You're not going to just blow through a million dollars or anything, but it so seems I will like say, you're, you seem like you're the type of person that would be like, no, 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 I'm going to be much more sensible now being that right. I have things to take care of and I'm not yeah, sure but, if I could win on this, you know, that like, 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 does your family know that you like, like that, like if, if I, if I told my wife that I, I, I want three, I, I showed them $300,000 screenshots and then say, well, I'm down $20,000. She would look at me and go, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Well, so, yeah, my my wife and I have had many discussions about risk tolerance and and what we're doing here. Um, Keep in mind that this all happened after a $300,000 win. So if that win had not happened, if I would not have stepped up my game after I quit my job. I would have been playing the 150 max because that's been my bread and butter. Um, I would have continued playing that. I only stepped up and got to the point where I could lose, you know, money despite having $300,000 banks because I had won that $300,000 prior to that. So that kind of allowed me to step up and take a it's little house bit more. It's right? oh, that, that that house money, right? Is that your It's house money. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, it's a little bit more bankroll to try to step up my game. Um, and yeah, I mean, I it's true that I, I should probably uh, scale it back a little bit. And, and that's, I mean, I, I have scaled it back in general. Um, but... I guess I, I'm, a, I'm an eternal optimist. I have a lot of confidence in myself. I feel like, you know, I, I know that I am a plus EV player overall, that I should be able to take that step up. Um, and I, even though I haven't done it yet, I still feel like it's coming probably. Um, but I mean, I go, I go back and forth. To, to be honest with you, I go back. Am, and, am I causing you I to doubt think, yourself now? No, I, so I, I do have this in the back of my mind, like, should I just be, I'm never going to be as nitty as you are, where you're not even 150 maxing, but I, I think. I, it's, I, hey, 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 I won 50 max every so often, like on FanDuel yeah. for MLB, one, sure, I'll, the I'll 150 max. It, it, the problem comes in is on DraftKings when they're not running the low stakes contests at 
Yeah. Like like eighteen dollar entries. Like I'd almost rather like to me. I'm not scared of the field size. So like I'd rather have a sixty thousand entry contest at an six to eight dollar price point than a twenty two thousand dollar entry contest at an eighteen dollar price point. So like like yeah. I'm going to fan. I like four dollars and forty four cents. I have no problem. Yeah. One fifteen. Like to me, that's. To me, that's the thing. So it's like I, I want to keep my total allotment of volume down. It's not. It's not the. It's really not the number of entries. Listen, I learned the word knit from you. I'm calling you a knit because <laughs> you call yourself a knit. So uh, don't take it as an insult. I'm, I'm using what you've told me about yourself and what I know, you know, from from our conversations now that you're not playing nearly the same volume as I am. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I, it's a valid question. Why do I even bother playing these tournaments that I have not proven to be a plus EV player in the $50 more entry fee contests? Um, it's just, I think that's just a, a step that I want to take that I think I'm capable of taking. Um, but I also think maybe, maybe I'd need to change my whole process because I, you know, I, I only have so much time to build lineups and, I think that I would need to probably change some things around to change the way I build those lineups versus my the, the lineups that I make for GPPs. And currently, I'm I haven't really done enough to differentiate my lineups in the 222 from the from the 150 max type of contests. I mean, I for for example, yesterday I didn't even I didn't even usually I take off the rule for those lineups of uh, leaving salary on the table. So I, I force in leaving some salary on the table in showdown typically. But then for the higher dollar stuff, I'll take off that rule. And I didn't even do that yesterday, which is probably why I ended up with a Dax Milne lineup in, in that contest. Is it the type of thing that maybe if you want to get better at those contests that, I mean, I know the 150 max is your bread and butter types of contests that choose a sport, like when NBA and MLB are going on at the same time and go, well, for MLB, I'm 150 maxing. But I'm gonna work on my my ten max game for yeah, NBA and just and just like have all your headspace be into that instead of yeah. and and then, then once meant, you could prove to yourself that, that, that you're doing well, then then you could try to do both at the same time. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense. And that's like you know for me if I'm uh, for example we talked about one of these past weeks how I'm not profitable on Wednesdays. It's the one day of the week that I am negative. EV That's player. when you should be only doing 10 lineups on Wednesdays. And, and it's partially because I'm going to my brother's house on Wednesdays and not really putting in quite the same amount of mental energy into it. I'm, you know, a little bit distracted. Don't spend as much time on it. I think that would be a, a day that it would make sense for me to only do 10 lineups and really just focus on those 10 lineups rather than what I do, which is, I do that, and then I also do the 150 max, and then I throw in a few other lineups because, hey, there's 11 games, and there's so many different plays that I think are interesting, so I, I up it, and you don't really have as much edge on those 11-game slates. So, maybe maybe at this point uh, in Wednesday, you should have your brother make your lineups. Maybe. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> he used to. Back back when we started, he would make a, a, basically a cash game lineup just to have something going while we were watching the Timberwolves, and he occasionally would, would beat me, and, and he would like – he – didn't follow any content. It was just like, we're watching the Timberwolves. I'm going to choose three Timberwolves players and then two of the opponents and mm -hmm. players that he liked. And then like he was either, he was usually losing money. And then occasionally he would be like the top of the 50 max or, or, or of the 50, 50, just because his lineups were so weird because they were not based on any kind of, any kind of knowledge. Well, they built, show, they built showdown just for him. 
Right. Yeah, he would be great. Yeah. Probably. Right. It's like, oh, you just want, oh, you just want this game. Okay. Well, then here's here's all the players from this game. Yep, that's true. But I mean, yeah. the, the the side benefit of you winning but losing money, <laughs> we it's uh at what what I what I would at any time I lose money like this pet this pet yesterday minus twenty eight percent, and a lot of that came down to uh when you split the on the cash line and you double ups like forty ways. Uh, that's going to happen when a $25 double up only pays 14 bucks. That's a yep. problem. Right. Uh, I just, I just chalk it up to a uh, tax loss harvesting. Yeah. Just tax right. loss harvesting. Right. Like it's, it's reducing your tax liability. It's tax yep. loss harvesting season. Cause then, then you like, okay, I, I didn't lose 3000 yesterday. I really only lost maybe like 2,400 cause the other 600, yeah, I would have had to pay to the government. Yep. Right. But isn't that a faulty way of like thinking because like Yeah, because then if you win, you're also only winning 70, 80%, whatever it is. Right. Yeah. Uh and and yes. and I know I, I'll do a tax episode at some point, uh, you know, come tax time or whatever. But yep. uh but now now that uh that that you know, I, I rearranged my my tax situation that now I could like write off a whole bunch of stuff and carry over losses and things like that. I've been told it's it's okay to do or whatever like that. It just it's just weird that that there's a lot of people that are like that will say it's like well in the last like month of the season if you're if you're up a whole bunch like just you know go balls to the wall. It's yeah, like, I've seen I've seen tax advisors give that advice and I don't understand it. Yeah, it, it's uh I think it's it's it might be in jest to some extent from the tax advisors. I'm sure they they're not uh. They're kind of joking. I guess. I guess maybe there are certain circumstances where, based on your tax bracket, or, or maybe. I. But I. To me, it doesn't make like you. Or if you could, if if you have, if you could push your edge edges more, do it then rather than yeah. putting yourself in the hole in the beginning of the season, beginning of the year. Yeah. I, so I make no claims to be a tax expert, so I don't really want to speak on whether it makes sense from taxes. Uh, I, I, I'm just trying. I'm, just, I'm trying to put a spin on why yeah, yeah, losing no, money it, is it. It, 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 it's a it's a positive. Yeah, right. I mean, I want to take that advice. Hell yeah, I'll go balls to the wall. I'm happy to. Uh, <laughs> but but yeah, I just to me logically, it doesn't make sense because it's it goes both ways. That if you're profitable, you're only making that much uh, that much less. So, uh, assuming yeah. that you're in the United States, if you're Canadian, we hate you. Right. Yeah, fuck you. Right. <laughs> Canadians fuck get to Canada. keep it all. <laughs> yeah. Canadians get to keep it all and they and they get health care. Free health care, yep. And the child tech and we we're not even get the child. I don't cold, even have though. a child. It's pretty cold. Although it's cold here too, so I don't even know what's the benefit of Minnesota. Right, you're not that far away anyway. Why don't you just yeah. just drive up there and keep all your money? That would make a lot more sense. Maybe I should. Uh but yeah, but 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 uh but yeah, but I mean, at being this is the last podcast uh, of the year, that's why like just going through my my roto tracker and just assessing like the year in general, like what 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 are the things that like uh, obviously I'm acknowledging just like I said before that a year is a very arbitrary period of exact twelve months between January and December, but is is there anything that you like, look, at, I mean, I'm not a resolutions type. I'm not a, you know, that type of, like, I'm going to review what I did over the year and then I'm going to come up with a plan and then not change it for 12 months until I reassess it. 
It's like you should always constantly be reassessing and reviewing what you're doing. But right. did, but do, do you have a like a thing of like, okay, let me take a look at my year at a glance. Like, what was I good? What was I bad? What should I be changing? Um, yeah, I mean, so, so that was something I actually looked at that before this week, the looking at different dollar entries and I was pretty, it was jarring to me to see how much I had lost and like in, in the higher stakes stuff. Cause I've had a hundred thousand dollar win in like a $400 contest and then a $62,000 win. So I thought that I was a winning player in those contests too, before I looked at it. And that is something that I should probably be looking at, uh, more, more regularly. So I would have caught that sooner that, Hey, this has not been a winning strategy for me to play these higher dollar stuff. Um, yeah, I know. I I agree with you that you shouldn't look at it year over year. Uh, I did sort. I had the goal this year of winning more money than I won last year. Maybe that's part of the reason that I that I uh, forced myself to step up a little bit because I was like, man, I am not. I'm not going to top the million that I won last year because uh, I just wanted to continue every year making a little bit more money, and that would require me to have another uh, a pretty huge bank. Uh, at the end of this year to get there. So it's not going to happen. But that's, that's part of the reason that I maybe uh, was trying to step it up is, yeah, that was one of my resolutions was I want to make more money this year. I mean, it wasn't a resolution. It was a goal, I should say. It wasn't a resolution. But I had the goal of making more money in 2021 than I made in 2020, despite the milli happening in 2020, which is probably so, why oh, I so, Oh, your goal was to make more than a million? That was my goal. I mean, I didn't I didn't come close to it. Well, I wouldn't uh, think so. That seems so, so unrealistic for you to win the Millie Maker and go, next year's going to be a better year. I mean, it, again, not a resolution. It was a goal. It was wishful thinking because up until then, I had had like three or four years in a row where I made a little bit more every, I mean, obviously the Millie was a lot more, but. Uh, right. Well, that's you know, the point that I'm making. Goal. That seems a little ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. It was a little bit ridiculous, um, but. That's I, I guess that's uh, we were talking about why I tried to step it up because I'm competitive. I'm competitive with myself. I want to continue improving. Um, maybe, but maybe, and I don't think you can just like remove the milli and and do the equation because it sort of changed the way I played and stuff. I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know that I have any real uh, any real resolution based like roto tracker uh, anything that I'm looking at roto tracker wise for on a yearly basis. Uh, I found. I'm curious if the, if you found this too. For me, my one, top one percent finishes go down the higher volume I play. So like we talked about this. So I I went back uh, maybe last year at some point. I posted my Roto Tracker results for like year by year, and I found that when I was only playing 10, 20 entries a day uh, for NBA in particular, I was putting like three and a half percent of my lineups three to three and a half percent of my lineups into the top one percent which now i'm much more and, I, and I'm, one of those years that i had that high in the top one percent i lost a lot of money it was like yeah i was putting a ton in the top one percent and then just losing money now i have finally i'm realizing profits i've, I've actually had very lucky bounces this year in mba but then still my my top one percent isn't anywhere close to three and a half percent well, I mean, I think I think also the top one percent stuff gets. I, people don't take the right context with that. Like, like I, I had a I had a Zoom call or in the the Roto Grinders Discord. I have a, my own claim game theory channel. We do coaching calls, and uh, top one you have to think of what top one percent means based on the size of the contest. So, like, if you're playing, let's say five hundred entry fields, right? Top one percent is fifth place. I mean, like, right. like that—that's that's the top end of the payout structure. 
If yeah. you're playing a 50,000 entry contest, what's the top 1%? 500th place? Right. So like 500th place is money. still, is like, oh, well, I'm getting 2% of my lineups in the top 1%. Yeah, but are you getting any in the top 0.1%? Right, right. Then then, then you're probably, if you're 150 myself, maxing, was, you're not profitable. Yeah. Speaking for myself, I was actually getting uh, a really high, like, the same the same proportion in the top 0.1 percent mm. but just never actually binking in those years and and it was just such low volume that it's like it just doesn't mean that much because you still need to actually get like in the top two or three to make a lot of money and i don't know i was making i was playing high enough volume where that was necessary but low enough volume that it was unlikely to get there so uh but yeah, I, th I think that's a really good point that the top 1% is very, you know, people can look at that and think, wow, I'm putting, you know, 1.5% in the top 1% and I'm doing great. And that it's true. It's a good, it's a good indicator that you are putting that, putting 1.5 in the top 1%. But if you're only playing one lineup per day, that's, uh, you know, that you should be able to, to do that. I think if you're a good player, you should be able to do at least that because you're putting your best lineup in there. You're, you're like, whereas if you're playing... 150 lineups you are you know your 150th lineup is probably not as good as your top lineup your your, your bottom 50 lineups are not as good as your top 50 lineup so you're just playing a lot of you know you're, you're spreading it out you're trying to get to that number one spot your, your goal isn't really to get to that top one percent spot and you're probably playing not quite as good of a group of lineups than if you're playing just five Right, I'm looking at my finishing position graph this year in GPP. I'm 1.6. Me too. Percent. Yep. I always, I always say like uh, this is the. I mean, what we're looking at is not like like a scientific method. This is like, yeah, like not at all blunt. Like, do you want to get somewhat of a sense? And I, I always tell people when that when they ask, it's like, well, what's a good rate? I'm like 1.4 to 1.8. Like somewhere somewhere in that range, and then the higher you like, the higher you go. Like if you're getting like two point four, two point six, and 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 you're and you've lost money, that probably means you're getting unlucky. Yeah. And right. if if you're getting like if you have like zero point eight percent in the top one percent, and you're up money, you probably got you probably are getting yeah. lucky. You once and right, and that's over a large sample size. So I mean. Like, oh, just this foot if you're playing one lineup and you just play the main slate this football season, it's like congratulations, it's sixteen slates. It's a little over two weeks of baseball. Like it yeah. it, it it really doesn't mean mean that much. But the only thing that I that I notice in my this in this year's graph comparison to previous years is that my other percentiles are much flatter. Okay. Yep. Like my overall, like my overall tilts very heavily. Like it, it looks almost too impressive. Uh, yeah. And this year, I'm hitting, I'm hitting the one, I'm hitting those one percent markers on a lot. Obviously, I'm hitting less on the bottom and more on the top, but not dramatically. So, I mean, I'm still, I'm like, like at the ninety second finishing percentile, I'm like at the line type of thing. Where in the past, I'd be like half under it or right. whatever. And I'm going to chalk it up to the fields getting better. Yeah. Because in the past, true. in the, if I go to my, if I go to, you know, 2017 or something like 
though that last 10 percentile points, right? The 90th to 100th percentile would be a very severe dip down. It's like, well, I, I thought you're playing lineups to come in first or last. Well, it's hard to come in last when 10% of the field right. is playing such yeah. bad lineups. You're not trying to come in last. It's not right. like you're making lineups. like Yeah. But it's a high variance strategy. If you're playing Dax Milne, there's a good chance. Yeah. Right. But even in my Dax Milne lineup, I'm beating a lot of bad lineups. So yeah. Right, right. You're still beating a lot of bad lineups. So, uh, I mean, is there anything to take out of that? No. I mean, I, I already know just from playing that the fields are getting better. But yeah. th- the fields are getting are still the worst at the lowest stakes, largest field. Your brother throwing in, you know, a right. three plus two NBA stack for no reason yeah. type of lineup. Uh maybe, maybe, maybe this maybe this coming year I I I go the route that you should be going and just go, I'm just I'm just gonna play the large field stuff and yeah. and and still play the same like the play my 50 lineups, play my, maybe play on multiple sites and do like that. And just not like playing the, the four forty four with one lineup or whatever. Like, I don't, I, it, it's hard. It, do you find it hard to think in both mentalities at the same time? Cause you- I feel like I don't, but it, but, but I end up, I end up doing. I, whenever I try to make like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make three lineups for this higher stake stuff, and then a hundred lineups for the low stakes. What ends up happening is either my three high stakes lineups are way too contrarian, or my my hundred set is too chalky. Yeah, right? so it I ends mean, up, that, it ends up coming out saying. like I'm pl- <laughs> like what? How come half my lineups feel like you know like I have no one under fifteen percent owned in any of these lineups? And that, that's what I'm saying about why I think that I have not taken that step up in general in the higher stake stuff is because I just build my GPP set and I don't really, I put the, the highest projected in there typically, but uh, I'm not really making any um, major adjustments for playing in this larger field. So yes, I, I think that I, if I spent a little bit more time on it, I could get to it and I could be able to change my mindset to think about it a little bit differently to play in those because I know what I need to do, or I know at least some of the steps that I need to do to be better in those smaller field, higher dollar stuff. Um, I think you need to, like in NFL, I think probably you need to correlate your quarterback with two pass catchers generally. I think typically you see that more among players in those smaller field than in the larger field. Um, they're, they're building in a little bit more correlation. Um, I don't know. I think that there are various things that you can do. You can play more players from from one team, for example, mm-hmm. in those kind of things. Um, but I just I, I haven't done that yet. So yes, I, I guess the answer is yes. I do. I agree with you that it is hard to do both mindsets at the same time. Um, I think that and that and that's something that I would like to learn to do. But yeah, there there is probably some merit to just saying, well, if you're going to make a lot of money playing these large field and that's what you're best at, why not just stick to what you're good at and maybe that's a lesson that i'm learning still <laughs> but but at this point i'm still like kind of i still kind of want to try those probably i shouldn't be doing you know sometimes i find myself doing uh if there's like a 50 dollars buy-in i shouldn't be do 150 maxing the 50 dollars buy-in uh because then i end up just not making not making lineups are appropriate for it um but i think that taking shots here and there on, on the 222 again tonight i plan on playing 11 entries that's typically what i've been doing I plan on playing 11 entries in the $222 on 
DraftKings. Hopefully, I'll spend a little bit more time on it. I guess it worked out last night that I didn't that I didn't differentiate those lineups from my main GPP lineups. But uh, maybe tonight I'll spend a little bit more time on it. And try to try to try to run it back. Um, the other thing that I wanted to bring up about uh, Roto Tracker and looking at the top uh, results finishes is that I kind of wonder how much showdown factors into it because oh like, yeah oh showdown, yeah I I eliminate like, I I just eliminate okay. showdown yeah yeah, yeah I, like, I I agree <laughs> showdown or winner take all contests yeah who exactly. cares about the top one percent like yeah. I I I judge my showdown play by two factors that there's literally only two factors uh uniqueness and it doesn't necessarily mean one unique it could be like under five under ten yeah, yeah. like that like like that and then did I win like literally those are the only like like yeah, what I how agree. many uniques like I play MMA right so I'm I play more MMA than I do NFL showdown and it's the same type of mentality once yep. it's locks I'll upload my CSV to sports-projections.com which is a site that has a analyzer like that I used to do it in Excel, but it's much harder for me to do it in Excel. I just upload that shit. And I go, how many uniques? I have 150 lineups, 85 unique, 120 under five. And I'm like, well I'm done. good. Yeah. And then shit goes wrong. And then I don't, this guy, that guy wins. And then, and then I'm, I'm down 70% on the slate, but I'm like, I mean, what am I supposed to judge it by? Yeah, exactly. Right. I had one, I had one MMA win uh, when uh, it was a nine fight card. And I, I played a hundred lineups and I had zero uniques and I had eight under 10. And I'm like, yeah, it's a nine fight card. It's hard to get unique on, on with only 18 fighters to choose from, but I was leaving 2000 on the table here. I was like, and it's like, yeah. still, That's still what or whatever. On, uh, and, but but I ended up, I ended up making like 8,000 on that slate. And I'm like, like, no, wow. no, that I shouldn't, that, that was the bad. I got lucky to even make yeah, money yeah. there. But on the other slate yeah. where I'm unique up the ass, fucking what, all the chalk has to hit at the same time. What the fuck happened there? I mean, like, but, yeah. but to me, that's how you judge those types of things and not by yeah. any 1% by graph. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. That was a Christmas day slate. I found myself at one point I was winning. I was in the winning tied for the win and I was winning like $3,500. And I'm like, man, I pride myself on that not being the case that I'm not going to have those lineups where I'm tying with so many people. But apparently they're just, uh, that was one of those slates where there was just too much value and everybody was leaving a ton of salary on the table by default. So uh, did not get unique enough there. There was just every lineup was duped a million times, at least for me. Well, I, I try not to play the slates that are like that. I mean, you can just you can just get unique. You can you can leave more salary on the table in those slates. You don't do that. Well, sometimes you fuck up. I mean, but that's the that's but yeah, that's yeah, the I point know. that I'm making. Sometimes I take a look and I go like to me the MMA slates that I like the best. And I know you. I, I'm I'm eventually going to get you to play MMA, and eventually you're going to take up 150 uniques that I should be having. Uh, now the best slates in MMA that I love 150ing are when. It's a large, obviously the larger cards, so it gives you more combinations. When the uh, the uh, the betting lines of the fights are closer, because mm-hmm. DraftKings prices all the fighters based on their money line odds at open. Okay. So, like if someone's a minus three hundred favorite, they're ninety five hundred. Their opponents a plus two eighty, and they're sixty seven hundred or something, right? Because mm-hmm. they're the likelihood of winning the fight, regardless of how they're going to win or whatever. Uh, we get a lot of slates where everyone over 9,000 is like a minus 220 or above favorite. 
right? And then you get the mid-range stuff. So, like, we get two to one, three to one, we get some nine to one favorites. Like, it's hard to play the, the it, it, these upsets don't happen as often that you're playing the 680, that, that, that the, the highest scorers on the slate end up being multiple underdogs. We get a lot of slates where there's 14 fights on the card and literally only one underdog wins, right? I I hate those slates. Yeah, I'm sure. Because typically a $50,000 salary type of lineup wins with the four highest, the five highest scoring favorites and that one underdog. And that it's easy to make those lineups and then typically duped a bunch. I like when the fights are closer, they price it, they still scale the pricing the same way. So like, the $9,200 fighter may only be a minus 175 favorite. It just so happens he's the third biggest favorite on the slate because they have like 13 fights on the card and literally um, like um, there's no one that's bigger than a two to one favorite. In those cases, the the the, the optimal lineup could leave like 3,000 on the table because the underdogs have enough of a chance of like, you may have the four underdogs, maybe the four highest scoring fighters on the slate and people are so tied to well i'm gonna i'm gonna spend more most of my salary and it's like it's mma it's binary so it's like the lowest score the lowest price fighter does like make value it's like dude you know quick win bonus one one punch you know in the first round and the guy scores 127 points and doesn't matter what they they don't know how much they're priced they don't they don't know right right? it's just the price the salaries don't matter once the card starts so like i so that getting back to the point of like I on those cards, that's when I look and I go, one like I don't mind pushing there. And then when we get these 10 fight cards, right? Someone there's two cancellations, there's four huge favorites, three huge favorites. Like I look at that and I go, maybe I just play the 555. Maybe I just maybe maybe I only play 50 lineups. Maybe I only play a hundred line. Like maybe I don't play as much. Do you do you think that, like especially in like showdown, like I I, I mean I, I view it the same way in showdown when I when I take a look at the slate when I'll, I'll take a look at the NFL showdown slate and go the highest on player should be that high like like I yeah, like yeah. everything that should be is is owned in that way and I like looking at the slates where where like this guy make this guy's coming back from injury and no one's no one's thinking that he's going to play and he's going way under owned yeah. and it's like oh here's a way that I can make a lot more unique constructions and or or slates where there's there's like four guys under the defenses that are like viable yeah, or the- or slates where there's two guys under the defenses that are going to be extremely chalky but right. can easily bust and the kickers are better like I look for those situations more than am I am I weird to like isn't isn't that what you're supposed no, to I, do? I 100% of, agree. of, of check what your edge is going to be and then adjust your volume based on that. Yeah, and you you could do that in NFL. I agree with you. Like showdown is a spot where you can adjust your volume based on like NBA. You can't really do that because you don't really know what the no no. I I agree be. with you. You you don't even know five minutes before lock. Yeah, exactly. NFL, typically, I mean, at least an hour and a half before you get inactives, typically, you know, occasionally you get surprises here and there, but uh, typically, you know, who's going to be out, who's in an hour and a half before the slate. So, yes, I agree with you that it does make sense to scale, but uh, 
for me, at least, I do a lot of my research pretty late. So I think I often don't know until, I mean, now I'm, I'm doing a show tonight. So I guess tonight would be an example of uh, when I'm doing my research a little bit earlier and I'll know a little bit more early on. Um, but but I look so. I look at the showdowns like this past year or two, like the Lamar showdown slates. I look at it and I, like, I look at it and go, unless I'm willing to fade Lamar, like, why am I playing this fucking slate? Yeah. Yep. Those are tough. Yeah, I agree with you. There, there are some, there are some showdown slates that I look at, and I go, or I go into the slate, and I'm like, I feel really confident. So a couple weeks ago with Gabriel Davis being like, really, Gabriel Davis is only five percent owned, and he's like fifty percent snap share or something like. It was like there was no reason that he should be that low owned, and he was cheap, just like. And then there are other slates where I'm like, I'm gonna be playing a lot of Ty Montgomery. I don't really know why. I don't feel great about it. He's just super low owned, and I feel like he's a gadgety kind of player that you know wouldn't shock me if he has a big play, but. Yeah, there, there are slates that I go into with a lot more confidence than other slates. And I agree with you that it, it does make sense. People should probably scale based on the edge that they think they have. Uh, and I, I probably should do it. Probably right, right. For me. Do, do, do what you say, not what you do. Yeah, yeah. Probably for me, it would be I should only be 150 maxing those slates uh, and not play in anything in addition to the 150 max. Or maybe maybe actually those are the ones where you want to do the opposite. Where, right. Yeah, where you just play the, the smaller field stuff probably actually makes more sense in those kind of slates. Right, um, right, because that's what I yes. would do on those types of slates. I would be like, well, I'm not, I don't know how I'm going to be unique in the large field. And for me to fade like the, the 90% owned player that may be required in every lineup in 150 lineups or something, I'll be like, I'll just, I'll, when you're playing the smaller field stuff in Showdown, like like I like the, the $33 one. For showdown, mm-hmm. where it's like five thousand entries, because I feel like worst case scenario, if I'm duped five times, it's still fifty k to first, so it still comes out to like maybe like thirteen, fourteen thousand dollars mm-hmm. or something. Uh, you know, which is fine because I'm only playing five entries. Right, right. I'm playing one hundred and sixty five dollars in that, and be like, now I remove the the like. I'm not even gonna care about being duped. Right, like I'm not gonna play a chalky lineup, but I'm not gonna leave four thousand on the table and play, you know, the, the negatively correlated players. It's just like, and then a lot of times I I go I go through in the thirty three dollar one. It's like, oh, my lineup's duped six times, my lineup's duped twice. I have a I I out of my five lineups, I'm like none of them will be over ten, right? Now, which okay. which if anything was over ten in that small of a feat, like it's not that small, but for 50k to first, it's not worth it to play. You play too chalky, yeah. Right. But still, I'm able to get ones and twos and threes where it's like, I have no problem with that, being that I'm only playing five lineups. If I was playing 50 lineups, then I need to, now, now I need to make sure to be as unique as possible because coming in first for right. 3,500 bucks, you, I mean, you could yeah. come in first and lose money. So, like, right. So, so I feel on the slates where I don't feel that there's enough paths of being unique. To just play less lineups into smaller field, and on the slates where it's like, wow, there are a lot of ways of being unique, like those fifteen fight UFC cards. It's mm-hmm. like, nope, one fifty, let's go. And then, you know, I love checking it out, and I'm like, you know, when I get when I can get more than half my lineups to be unique, and more than two th- uh, uh, three quarters of my lineups to be under five dupes, like I just close I close the laptop and go, I I succeed I succeeded, and hopefully it comes out that way. 
I mean, do you do you do the same process in, in NFL showdown? Do you immediately check and check your dupes, dupe breaks and everything? I don't usually immediately check. Um, I I probably should. I mean, I, I usually check the next day how I did. Okay, but you check in general. I, yeah, yeah. It may not be like me that just wants to know whether or not they played the slate well, like immediately. Yeah. But but I mean, I yes, that, yes. Like sometimes I, I download the file to see what uh, individual players have for ownership. I do that kind of thing pretty frequently, but I don't usually go and find the dupes, partially because I don't think that I have I, – I, come across these sometimes people send me links to where you can check your dupes uh, i always forget where i can even check where the dupes are until the next day i know that it's available right away but i i just check the next day typically. right i mean i've checked the next day also but i mean like mma is is typically a long enough you know it's like like the card doesn't start for 15 minutes it's like okay i'll just oh, upload yeah. see it's like okay and then check other other popular people and just go yeah, I beat him in uniques. Oh, I okay. And then sometimes you'll see like one someone that's get 147 uniques. It's like, what the fuck did that guy do? Then yeah. then I take a look at some of the lineups and I'm like, yeah, I get I I see how you, you do. Like 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 it's like the four biggest underdogs and then like two mid-range and leaving 4200 on the table. It's like, yeah, yeah, I didn't I I yeah, I didn't make any of these these lineups, but uh, good yeah. luck to you if you if, if Do you think that do you think that's a plus EV lineup? Yeah, in MMA it is. Okay. In MMA, yeah, but you could build a lot of those. Li- I mean, I I'm not a big fan of building a lot of those lineups. Yeah, because it's plus EV if you can live for a hundred years. Right, so, right. That, that's the point. Right. You're unlikely to realize it. Yeah. Right, and also a lot of times the the raw the, that you get screwed on raw points, like it's like oh you got sick you you played the four biggest underdogs, and they all won, but. You didn't have this one guy, and that guy has right. to be optimal. And then, like, like you have you have fifty of these lineups that look like that, and only one has the guy that you need. But in that lineup, you don't have the other guy that you need. And now, now the the four like oh great, you min cat you like three x on all these lineups, and you like you lost money on the day. And it's like yeah. even though you were unique. Like you have to mix them in. So like when I do it's MMA just like a lineup, main slate, if everybody you play is one percent owned on a main slate, if if the entire lineup is just completely getting getting random playing one percent owned guys, it's probably not going to be a good lineup. Right, but but at least at least in NFL or NBA, the ownership is correlated to some amount of raw points. MMA is so binary that like any anyone on the slate like like the fifth wide receiver of the of the of the whatever to the Lions. Like, yeah, he's three. Th- he's three k. If you want to play him, he's most likely to get zero because he's barely, he's barely, if ever, going to even see the field. It's like any MMA fighter could score any amount of. I mean, it's yeah, a fight. Yeah. I mean, they they're going to show up. There's no way for them not to not to legitimately be there. But uh, I don't know. What was I, I was going to say? But uh, I, I my my process now. It, I used to do the showdown process. For MMA, which is mm-hmm. go through and ownership some and see yep. what lineups are too duped and, you know, potentially too duped and eliminate them and go through that. But now that I switched over to like assigning a rating to like each fighter, the lineups just meant like I literally, I, I, I said uh, the min salary is nothing. The max salary is 50,000 and a lineup that spends all the salary, but has a high rating it's still more likely to be either unique or under five dupes because 
the ratings are tied to the ownership leverage. Right. So, like, the higher the yeah. score, the more unique it's most likely going to be, regardless of the salary. So I get some lineups that rate highly that are 50K and have a very similar rating, and it's a different lineup that only spends 48-2, right? Are, are, With you, different are fighters. you 150 max in typically for MMA? Yeah, typically, yes. Okay. For, like, for the larger cards. Such a unique process. For me, it would be a waste to have that kind of a process and not 150 max. Well, well that's the only reason I that, – I mean, that's, that, that's pretty much that's the only reason it. I do. I mean, yeah, yeah. One, once I saw that MMA, like, there's too many – once I saw that it was like Showdown – I'm like I I know I know how to do this, and it's just it's it's so much simpler because there's no coral. I don't I don't have to worry about correlation. I don't have to yeah. worry about fucking AJ Brown and the captain in a losing one five lineup being the nuts. Yeah, <laughs> wasn't a fan of that. <laughs> I wasn't a fan. What the hell is that? How did that work out? I had so yeah. many good lineups. No, no AJ Brown captains though. <laughs> I think I had a couple, but he was, especially in the in the large field, he was like, I want to say like sixty percent owned or eighty percent owned maybe in the high dollar stuff, which I didn't see coming at all. He he was not expected to be chalky in the large field, and I I, I did not anticipate how highly owned AJ Brown was. Uh, and I had some of him in the the large field, but I didn't have any in the two twenty two or whatever it was that day, the higher, higher dollar stuff. And of course he went off and I lost all of my entries. <laughs> Do you think that the, the two most classic NFL show, uh, if you had the, the classic NFL showdown slates, memorable ones, I think one for me is uh, not, not ones that you won. I'm talking about just ones in general. Like Those weird. are the most memorable for me. Right. Yeah, obviously they're the most memorable for me also. Uh, the James Robinson one, five one from last year. I'm probably not going to remember these. You're not going to remember. You're not going to remember that. Exactly. Yeah, anytime, no, any, anytime, one five captains win, where the losing yeah. captain, losing teams is the cap winning captain, and then five from the winning team. So like I, 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 I just never get to those. I, I, I don't know. I don't know how I ever get to those types of lineups. But I think the most classic one is the Mariota win. Oh yeah. So I mean, there's the, the that backup one. quarterback get like yeah. Like that part that, oh, that that is I that is the it. definition of getting absurdly like of yeah, a yeah. negative EV lineup that you you could you could Are play you sure those that lineups until you did, did, and you'll you'll always be profitable because you won that one time. Are you sure that that's negative EV lineup? Because I am not totally sure, and I, I've heard all of like the smart players that I listen to, almost all the smart players I listen to, agree with you that you should never play the backup QB. And it's not something that I do either, typically. It was when I started, though, because I'm like... That Playing is just the backup the QB way. in the captain spot? <laughs> oh, in the captain spot, no. Yeah, yeah I mean, in the captain spot. Okay, because now, now it's not just playing the... Really, really, it's not right. Really right. That, yeah, that, yeah. That's the point that I'm making. It's like, okay, maybe you okay. can make a sense of a 6K guy on DraftKings... Yeah. That may not even see the that may not even get in the game, but now to pay nine k in the captain for him to be enough of a scorer, uh, yeah. no, I, th- I I I I think if you if you simulate it out, you'd you'd see that it's if you base it on whatever project, it, it'll it'll you won't win often enough, even if you're unique and even if it's a millie maker. Yeah, because I, I mean you do you need to get every other part of your lineup right still or close to. You still need to get everything else right, and you need to get extremely lucky in that spot so yeah it, it might be i just i see the merit to it kind of because there's enough injuries in football and because the quarterback puts up so many points that 
a guy that's 6,000, if he gets in there and gets to, to put up, you know, 12, 14 points and nobody else has him. I see the merit to it. I, I kind of understand the play, even though I don't do it anymore. I think that I, I, I played it a couple of years ago. I played like one every, every slate I would do a backup quarterback for that reason, just because I thought this would be, this is the easiest way to win. Of course, now, now I have gotten better at showdown and I've kind of learned that you don't need to get quite that crazy. <laughs> so, so maybe that's, maybe that's what it's come down to is now I've learned that you don't need to get that lucky to win at showdown. Um, but I, I understand. Because, because even on that slate, if you took away that guy's lineups, like a Don Mariota captain lineup would have won. Right, right. Yeah. Right. So, like, you didn't even, like, even though, like, the optimal lineup would have been that lineup, like, just no one would have made. I mean, this happens in, it seems weird, even though, because Showdown, you have these large fields that sometimes, like, on the classic slates, we see it all the time. You don't need the nuts. Right. The, the optimal, the the absolute best possible lineup you could pot you could ever make to win the Millie Maker in NFL or to win an MLB slate or win even win showdown. There there are plenty of times in showdown that if you went if you just ran in optimizer or lineup rewind or whatever, and okay, what's the best possible lineup? It may that may not be the the lineup that won the GP. It may you know, yeah. when Frank Gore or something, you know, whatever Derek yeah. Gore. On the Chiefs or something, oh, like, they may not be in the winning line. The 0.2% yeah. on player, you don't have to worry about. And and yeah. same for MMA. There are a lot of times in MMA where I'm like, what's the, like, do I have the, do I have a path to the optimal? Now, a lot of times the optimal will be the winning, the mm. GPP winning lineup. But when chalk fails and weird things happen on a slate, I look through my lineups and go, nope, I don't have, the, the, literally, the lineup that I won $116,000 with, three fights previous to the, to the last fight, I, I didn't think I, I had any shot. I, I, I literally had no shot. I was like, nope, I don't have a shot at winning first today. And it just turns out because calculating the optimal, it's like I don't have any combination that gives me these spots to get that lineup. Good thing no one had that lineup. Right, because huh. like, like, and then then another favorite, like a big heavy favorite in the next fight lost, so it eliminated okay. a ton of those lineups. And I'm sitting there by the last fight, going, "Holy shit, I have a three way tie for like, oh, I didn't realize that an hour ago I was like, okay, well, minus thirty percent on the day, yeah. and then next thing you know, I'm rooting for fucking the uh, fucking the the main event to just fucking die so I could win this shit." But, so you say that you you typically close your laptop after uh, after you see your ownership. Do you typically sweat? I, I think we've talked about this. Like you're typically somebody who watches what's happening and you sweat throughout the night, right? Uh, depend depends on the sport. Okay. MMA, I like watching, so like I, I don't yeah. I don't mind watching MMA. I mean, but uh, ba- baseball only maybe for the first hour. Okay. So I mean, because a lot of times you're waiting on the Dodgers lineup or the Angels lineup yeah. or something. Uh, I'll open up the MLB app on my phone. And yeah, see what I don't watch baseball on. these days, but I am tracking it throughout, and I'm definitely watching to see what happens, who's putting up home runs, and right. I don't really start paying too close of attention until it's like the last game is happening, and if I have something worth sweating, then I'll be paying attention. But an NBA, uh, you almost have NBA. You're almost like when you play NBA, sweat you, is built in because you you need to be paying attention. Right, you have to be paying attention until the last game goes off. So like. And then NFL, you got red zone, and it's like, what else am I doing? I mean, other than that, like, 
what so, I mean I dude soccer's my favorite sport and most of the time I don't even watch the games anymore even on Saturday morning a lot of times on a lot of times on Saturday morning I set my line it was 10 o'clock Eastern it, I, I put the notifications on my phone the goal notifications just so I know when so what, why do you not watch if it's your favorite sport well DFS has ruined everything for me oh okay I get that <laughs> But I mean, I, I have other things to do, so it's like, okay, I'll set my yeah. soccer lineups, and then I'll get my. Oh, MMA is coming up at two o'clock, so I gotta, I gotta work on that or whatever. It's, it's just, not, it's not, it's not as important because I'm, I couldn't watch, I couldn't watch a soccer game for fun anymore because I'm turning on a game that I, well, I have that guy and this guy and this guy, so it's not like I'm watching soccer anymore. And if right. I'm just watching for will my guy score a goal. I might as well just have the goal notifications on and just do something else. Right. Okay. I get it. Is that weird? Like, just like an NBA. Do you find it weird that an NBA, like, I don't, I don't, I, 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 I could go an entire season without physically watching an NBA game, yet I will have windows of all the play-by-play on my computer screen? No, I, I mean, I, I'm the same way. I mean, I, oh, you do, I do, uh, do you watch do the NBA same, because... Do you do the same thing as me? Oh, I do a lot of just following the, the box scores. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, like, on, I, I have like three screens and I like... No, we talked about this. We, I don't have three screens. Right. Yeah. But I'm, so, so do you like flip between them and go... I flip between them, yeah. Oh, okay. I just lay them out. I have there's... multiple browser windows and I just like, oh, okay, there's a foul. Oh, there's a basket. Oh, they're in timeout. Right? Yeah. But, a lot, but the only reason I'm doing that also is because I'm going to be sitting in front of my computer for three fucking hours anyway. Right? Because someone's going to be out and someone's getting COVID and... Who knows what the hell's happening? So I might as well figure out what's going on. And I don't get how people could watch multiple. I could I could understand watching multiple football games. Mm-hmm. Like, let's say you have four TVs and you're like, I'm going to put on four football games. Seems like I could pay attention to that. Baseball. Yeah. I, I could put on the MLB TV in two browser windows and have eight games going at once because the game is paced in a way where it's like, oh, that guy's up there. Oh, there's bases loaded over here, and you could switch between, kind of switch your eyes between the two. How the fuck do you do that with basketball? You can't with basketball, yeah. How do you know what the hell's going on? How do you you watch more than, like, one game at a time? Sometimes I'll have one game that I'm watching, and then I'll have my phone open watching the the box score of another one, watching the Mm -hmm. play-by-play. Well, I I like using DK Live. Oh, really? I've I've never used DK Live. Oh, oh, to me, DK Live is, is... I've replaced the play-by-play in NBA with DK Live because you just really? put the all feed, the all scoring feed, and all you okay. all you de- see is anytime, anytime anyone does anything, it'll just stream that like similar like like a Twitter stream. Sounds addictive, yeah. Right, so it's like okay, Malcolm Brogdon three pointer assist from whatever point one five, and then go to the next. It's like oh minus one foul whatever, and just of all the games, and it'll show you the substitutions, and it's like okay, I could just sit here. And sit here and just watch, just watch that stream, and that's that and should tell me everything I know fast. about it, all the games. Okay, I would think it would happen too fast. If if you're if it's every game, I would feel like it would be such a, a fast stream that you couldn't even keep up. No, with it. no, it, it doesn't go that fast. And then you have on the sidebar all the leaders. All right, so oh, it shows cool. the right, so Man, you could see it's like, oh, where's awesome. where's so it's oh, where's Gordon Hayward? Oh, he's nowhere. Now you have to scroll, 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 scroll. Eight points. How is it only has eight points? Everyone's out. What's going on? (laughs) Yeah. I couldn't go to DK Live for NBA now. I don't even know. I don't even know who these lineups, Neil. Yeah. These starting lineups. I I just laugh. I see see the the starting lineup tweets now. And I remember, I have not played NBA for 
a month and a half or something. I'm like, who? What? Who? Who yeah, are these? Some of them, right? The, yeah. I think the magic the magic lineup got announced last night. I knew Franz Wagner. I knew Carter Jr. And it's like three guys that like are, are these pe- are these real people? I mean, like just. And then the people you are. Then the I see people's lineups. I see people posting screenshots or something of their lineup. Like, oh, came in fourth or something. And I look down. It's like thirty six percent owned guy. I've literally never heard of. Kessler <laughs> like, Edwards. My my hundred thousand dollar win had Kessler Edwards in it, and I could not place him in a lineup. Who's Kessler Edwards? No idea. You, do, you, do you even <laughs> remember what well. team he plays for? Plays for the Nets. I know that much. Oh, is that is that oh is that when the like like eight of the Nets were out or something? Yeah, so it's just all of the backups were were chalky and projected well. <laughs> Kessler Edwards. Did you get a Kessler yeah. Edwards jersey? I did not. Yeah, I, <laughs> I have yet to buy a jersey of anybody. I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not a jersey wearer. As a is, is that the whole Lowell's thing? Grown men wearing jerseys. I well, that's I have Ryan's no issue thing. with it. I, I don't have the issue that that uh, Brick Seventy Five has with uh, grown men wearing jerseys. Wear wear whatever you want, but uh, I I'm not. A jersey wear. Well, I'm not it's a jersey wearer either, but I that to me yeah. that's that's my collector's items. Okay, yeah. I mean, that's that's a cool collector. Yeah, but you'd, you'd but you'd be collecting a lot. You'd you'd be getting this past this past three months. You'd be buying three jerseys and then going, right. "I'm celebrating me losing twenty thousand dollars." <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. If I were to get one, it would be a Harrison Bryant jersey. You got to win me a milli. If you win me a milli, okay, that's your cutoff. A million. Yeah. Yeah. Was uh, was he the lowest on player in that lineup? Yeah, he okay. was the lowest on. Because that that that's my tradition. Whoever the he's lowest the reason on. I got called a bot on uh, on the on Facebook. The DraftKings people were like, "There's no way somebody played Harrison Bryant. Why why would you play Harrison Bryant? There's totally this is totally a bot. This isn't a real lineup. yeah. But wasn't that a week where he was actually like viable? Yeah, I mean that's why I played him because I think uh, I played. I, he scored two touchdowns that day, right? That's correct. Yep. Right, but it was one of those days where where. Uh, where that no, I remember that that I what like in, one of their tight ends was the Browns tight ends was out. Austin Hooper was out. Right. Everyone and thought Ninjuk and Joku would be yep. the replacement, but Harrison Bryant, who it was like a rookie or something like that, like yeah. the day the ga- that he was going to be starting. Right, morning. right, that Can't right, that exactly. Was it was like, and they were playing the Bengals, who were at the time I think the worst defense against tight ends in the league. So it was just everything. And I was I was aware of him anyway because of best ball because I was playing a lot of David Njoku in best ball, and then I would get notifications saying the Browns really love this Harrison Bryant guy. He might take over the number two tight end role. So like I was kind of aware of him as somebody that they liked. So it was a lot of factors came no, in. I, I remember that slate. I pl- I played Harrison Bryant. That's like. Like, I mean, it made sense, but what what, but what was he owned? What was he? It. What was his ownership? I think I want to say two point seven percent. Okay, but that's 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 not bot worthy. <laughs> I that's know. I mean, come on, I agree. Two point seven percent is not bot worthy. No, it's, playing it's, Mariota and the captain and winning showdown. Yeah, yeah, right. That's bot that's worthy. Bot. Right? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, <laughs> but that's what Still, you get when it. when you go on Facebook when you go on yeah, Facebook yeah. groups or whatever. That it's all conspiracy theories. It's all. Oh, yeah. The DFS groups, um, it's almost like going to QAnon meetings. Yeah, for sure. The subreddit's not yeah. as bad as it used to be, but yeah. But I, I'll do dive. I do dive into the Facebook groups just for just for la- every every probably every two or three months, just for la- and I'll just scroll through. I got an hour to spare. I'll just go through. Oh, and, and you'll find conspiracies that you've never even thought about, right? Yeah. 
And, then, and, and you'll find people talking like, this guy is that guy, is that guy. It's like, dude, there's a photo with them in the same picture. <laughs> like, they can't be the same guy. There's literally a photo of all three of them together on the like internet. Who? I mean... <laughs> Any, no, because they'll say stuff like sure. awesome, like Alex, Alex, oh. Alex is a bot, or they'll say that uh, that uh, Chipotle addict, and they'll say Chipotle and Papa and Papa Gates are the same person. Right. I'm like, they're, no, they're they're brothers. It's well, very yeah. well known that they're brothers. Yeah. Like you could say, you could say whatever you want. And you could pretend, you could uh, uh, claim that they're cheating or something, but like right. they're not this. They're not the same person. Like they're they're literally not like. Right. Like we know this for a, for it a to live finals. Right. Yeah. Well, that's the whole point. A lot of times when they're like this, these, these four people are the same people. It's like that no, they're in a photo together. Like one yeah. guy is holding up a check and the other two people are like, way to go, dude. Like, <laughs> like they're literally there. And then the comments, and if, if anyone mentions anything like that, the comments will be like, well, they're, they're, they're fake people, right? They're really oh, yeah. DraftKings employees. Right. It's, yeah, it's, right. it's, it's, it's nuts. Yeah. Uh, huh. I mean, people just want to find a reason that they're not winning money, right? Just any excuse. This is why I'm not successful at daily fantasy sports. It's not because I don't know what I'm doing. It's because they're cheating. The, the sites are just stealing money from you. So what's my excuse then? <laughs> well, you're, what'd you make? 81,000 this year? What, yeah. What's your well, how about all, but how about all the times that I lost? Oh, sure. Yeah. Well then. Uh, right. I'm normally, I, I don't win that often. Right. But when I win, I win a lot of money, but how about all the other times? I mean, I would have won all the other times if it wasn't for those damn bots. That's a good point, right? I think you're a bot. I think we're. Yeah. I think we're the same people. People will say that we might be. Yeah, we, we might be we're the, wearing same, the same, same hat. <laughs> we're wearing the same hat. Not the same. Transposed hat. a different face. I mean, pretty close though. Uh, okay. Is that a Louisville hat? Big Gordy yeah, Louisville Gen City. Fan? See, that's the okay. soccer team I watch. Oh, okay. But you know, I could watch because it's the local team. And there's no DFS for it. Okay. Makes so I can fun. actually watch and be like, I don't care if Cameron Lancaster scores a goal. It's not going to affect my DFS contest, right? I went to a Timberwolves game uh, last Sunday, and I did not have anything on it. Zero money on it. Zero DFS lineups. It was uh How really fast bizarre. did you fall asleep? <laughs> I still enjoyed it. Even though there, there no Anthony Edwards either, who was the guy I really wanted to watch. Uh, I still enjoyed it, yeah. Still a fun experience. I enjoy going to basketball games. Going to football games is sort of, uh, I, I'd probably prefer to just watch it on my couch, but going to basketball games is a little bit more fun. I thought uh, hockey, to me, to me the, the the sports that are, that are better live than on TV is soccer and hockey. Yeah. The, I think the everything else. Yeah, I, I've enjoyed it. I've only been to one wild game ever. Uh, a friend of mine invited me and I happened to live right like quarter mile from uh the xl center at the time so it was just yeah i'll go to a, and it was a fun experience it would probably be more fun if i knew anything about the sport and like right. if i knew what was going on but it was it was definitely the crowd was super into it so it was, it was pretty fun right and i've been to a few uh fc united is it fc united uh, minnesota, uh, minnesota minnesota yeah 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 i've been to minnesota united yeah i've been to right. a few of their games yeah it's a good time for not knowing the sports i still enjoyed it still enjoyed the experience Enjoy. That doesn't seem like that much of a compliment. I, I enjoyed the experience. I mean, I don't watch soccer. I, I know. Mo I mean, I, I played soccer like as a kid. So like I know most of the rules, but uh, yeah, I don't I don't track soccer closely. So and I didn't have money on it. I like to have money on my games. So soccer DFS. Come on. Did, get, I actually, I, I, at least one of them, I did play DFS and they they were in the pool. So I did play some of the Minnesota guys, but. 
yeah, some of the games they just didn't it wasn't available. Okay, so we're, we're wrapping wrapping up 2021. Uh, the the first full year with that, it almost feels it almost feels like wow, we got an entire year of sports in without that much delay of stuff. Yeah. I mean, right until the end, until right, the last two months, kind yep. of just like. Good luck to your season-long teams. Like, you know how frustrating it must be? So, like, I mean, oh. best ball? Best ball was the worst. You put in all this effort. You have your teams get through. And then, like, this week you have – I had Austin Eckler on my, my best team. Austin Eckler was on the COVID list. And then the other one had Travis Kelsey. And I think most of us had that experience. But then you're in, in a group of 12, and there's, like, there's just one team that's fully healthy, has good players. It's like, yep, you're just dead at that point. So Right. Yeah. Or imagine coming coming into the, the your lineup. It's like, oh, I got I got a Brady stack. I got Brady, Godwin, and Evans. And yeah, like, right. I'm in the playoffs. And it's like, up, oh, up. Oh, what, what happened there? <laughs> yep. Oops. Pretty brutal. Uh, but uh, hopefully we'll get a better t- 2022. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. You're not a resolution. I'm not a resolution person either. Definitely, the cheesy thing on podcasts would be, what what would your New Year's resolution be? I'm trying to lose weight this year. I think that's a uh, okay. That's not DFS related. To lose weight. It's not DFS related though. Yeah, right. But losing is going to be a little bit going to be a little bit healthier in general. Okay. Well, you could lose weight. Like if you if you carry money in your bankroll, losing money would you could lose weight that way. That's a good point. Yeah. Or 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 if you're starving, you right? It's like you lost so much that I can't afford to eat anymore. That's one way to do it, I guess. That's, that Maybe you can I'll, do it. That's that's like I'm gonna, that's I'm tax try loss not harvesting to try that for your method. body. Yeah. <laughs> I'll try different methods first, I think. Right. It's tax loss harvesting season, people. If you're listening to this on the 27th, according to some tax advisors or whatever, uh, you got what? The 27th, 28th, 29th, 30, 30. You got five days. You got lose five days. If you're up money, you got five days to lose it. Go lose that money. <laughs> go go lose that money before you have to give give a 20-something percent of it to the government because – You'd rather not keep the other 75% of it, right? You'd rather just lose that so you just don't have to give the other part to, exactly. to the government. Unless you're in Canada. Don't even bother. Canada, just yeah. close your books. Don't even – you finish play. You're up way more than anyone in the U.S. Yeah, the people in Canada, I, I, I take a look I at how much fall. I paid in taxes the past, what, five years, and I go – Jeez, like could have saved a lot of money. <laughs> right. I should have just moved yeah. to, before I did this. I should have just moved to Canada. Yep. There's benefits there. Player Q DFS on Twitter. And you're you're a, you, once the football season's over, Neil, you uh are you gonna be doing shows for like basketball and stuff and baseball? Yeah, we're still working that out. I'm 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 gonna be doing some kind of shows. I don't know exactly. I think I'll do baseball. Um, I can't do live before lock for basketball, so I think I'm probably just not going to be doing basketball shows. But still working that out. But I'll probably I'll be doing some content at Osimo. Right. Well, and NBA doing shows for NBA is almost like like that's a thankless task, right? Yeah. Right. Right. And I, I mean, other than like maybe an hour before lock, anything else before that, like why? I know. Just like, just just like why even bother? Pointless. Yeah. <laughs> You but, can still uh, learn from watching them because they talk about theory and stuff. But yeah, for the daily right, yeah. stuff. Yeah, for anything else, it's kind of like, well, if this guy's out, this is good. But we have 24 people yeah. that could potentially be out. And then 20 people that we don't even know could be out are going to be out. Right. right? Exactly. So what does it matter? Uh, so you can follow me at Blender HD as always. The Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. It's a 15-hour audio DFS masterclass. You can find it at theoryofdfs.com.